Behind the Knife, the surgery podcast. Relevant and engaging content designed to help you dominate the day. Hello, Behind the Knife listeners. We're excited to announce the next addition to our Behind the Knife premium offerings, the Cardiothoracic Surgery Oral Board Review. Each scenario includes two parts. Part A is a perfectly executed oral board scenario that mimics the real thing. Scenarios are five to seven minutes long and include a variety of tactics and styles. If you are able to achieve this level of performance in your preparation, you are sure to pass the oral exam with flying colors. Part B introduces high-yield commentary to each scenario. For those of you that used our General Surgery Oral Board Review Series, the format will be very familiar. When you hear this sound, that indicates the start of the high-yield commentary. This commentary includes tips and tricks to help you dominate the most challenging scenarios in addition to practical, easy-to-understand teaching that covers the most confusing topics based on the cardiothoracic surgery exam. Then, when you hear this sound, that indicates we are returning back to the exam scenario. We are confident that you will find this unique, dual-format approach a highly effective way to prepare for the test. I'm pleased to be joined by the lead editor for the project, Dr. John Kuckelman. John, what led you to want to be involved in this project? Thanks, Jason. And a big thank you to everyone at Behind the Knife for lending us cardiothoracic surgeons the Behind the Knife platform and the staff. While I was preparing for my CT oral boards, it became obvious to me that there was a need for a course such as the one we provide here. What is unique about this platform is that it is the only place where CT surgery trainings can hear an example of a perfectly executed oral board scenario, followed by an in-depth explanation of that scenario's topics. It also includes examples of alternate scenarios, as well as what things are acceptable to say and what pitfalls you absolutely want to avoid when taking the exam. All told, we brought you 43 high-yield, 5-7 to seven minute scenarios that, if mastered, will ensure your ability to pass the cardiothoracic oral board exam come test day. Behind the Knife Premium Behind the Knife Cardiothoracic Oral Board Review Scenario Hemoptysis, and Infectious Lung Disease. Developed by John Kuckelman, read by John Kuckelman and Jason Bingham. A 62-year-old who is being medically treated for multidrug-resistant tuberculosis presents to the emergency department for hemoptysis. Sputum culture at the time of admission is positive for TB. He is admitted to the MICU and you have been consulted for the hemoptysis. How would you like to proceed? Uh, well, first, I would go immediately evaluate the patient. I'd want to get a sense of their hemodynamic stability. I want to quantify how much blood the patient has been coughing up and take a look at their current airway and respiratory status. Finally, I would be sure to review all their labs, imaging, take a complete history, particularly if they were on anything like blood thinners. So the patient has been coughing up about two cups of blood in the last 15 minutes. His oxygen saturation is 84% on two liters of nasal cannula. His heart rate is 110 and blood pressure is 90 over 60. His hematocrit is 20. The patient is tachypnic. He is not on blood thinners. What would you like to do next? All right. Well, I mean, first, this is an airway emergency, so he requires a definitive airway. So using rapid sequence in a patient, I would I'd make sure that he uh, received a, a single lumen endotracheal tube. After confirming the placement with the entitled CO2 and inappropriate oxygenation, I would prepare for flexible bronchoscopy. Uh, I'd also ensure that he had 
large bore IV access and start resuscitation with blood products, as well as you know, reverse any coagulopathies. You start your bronchoscopy, but are unable to visualize any anatomy beyond the carina. The source of bleeding does seem to be coming from the right side. The patient continues to have trouble oxygenating. Okay, so in that case, I would advance the ET tube into the unaffected main stem bronchus, which sounds like it would be the left side in this case. I would also place a bronchial blocker down the right using a direct laryngoscopy through the cords uh, just outside of my ET tube. Finally, I would place the, the patient right side down to prevent aspiration of blood to the unaffected lung and continue my resuscitation. The patient appears to stabilize after these maneuvers. What now? So I'd, I'd maintain single lung ventilation and I would consult interventional radiology for angiography and bronchial artery embolization. I'd also want to get some more detailed imaging, if possible, with a CTPA once the patient's stable enough to go to the CT scanner. Okay, they are able to embolize the right bronchial artery. The patient improves over the following 24 hours with the blocker in place on single lung ventilation. The ICU gets a CT scan that shows a cavitary lesion in the right upper lobe. Okay, so I would then plan to go to the operating room for removal of the bronchial blocker. I would plan to have a rigid uh, bronchoscope available at this time for endobronchial intervention if the bleeding is persistent, and I would discuss the possibility that he may need a right upper lobectomy if I'm unable to control the bleeding endobronchially. Take me through your rigid bronchoscopy. I would have the patient supine with his neck fully extended. I would have jet ventilation in the room and ready for use. We would pre-oxygenate the patient prior to extubation and evaluate the airway with flexible scope first and take down the bronchial blocker at that time under direct visualization. If bleeding persists, then I would remove the ET tube and blocker, place a mouth guard, and proceed with rigid bronch and carefully place a size 8 rigid tracheal bronchoscope under direct vision by identifying the epiglottis and then the vocal cords. I'd rotate the scope 90 degrees to pass through the cords, and once the rigid scope was in place, I would institute jet ventilation and evaluate the airway uh, with the flexible scope. Let's say you take down the blocker and all the bleeding seems to be well controlled. What would your plan be for this patient? So this patient has had a, a massive hemoptysis uh, event from a right upper lobe cavitary lesion while being treated for multi-drug resistant TB. He should undergo a right upper lobectomy. Ideally, I would first optimize him for this resection and making sure that he had good recovery from his hemoptysis event. So he's been extubated without any further events and is currently on room air. His hemoglobin is now 9. His albumin is 3.5. Tell me how you would do his lobectomy. I would plan to do this via open, via a serratus sparing uh, posterior lateral thoracotomy on the right through the fifth intercostal space. Be sure to harvest the intercostal muscle during this dissection to buttress my bronchial stuff after performing a formal right upper lobectomy. So let's say you go to spread the ribs and the lung is just plastered to the chest wall. How would you handle that? So in that case, I would likely need to complete an extra pleural dissection to avoid contamination uh, while completing the resection. You're finishing that case and you get a consult from the ED for a 70-year-old homeless patient who is presenting with fever, elevated white count, and a cough, and a CT scan showing a 6-centimeter abscess in the superior segment of the left lower lobe. 
the emergency room physician says he is otherwise healthy and he should get it resected. So I'd ask them to start that patient on broad spectrum antibiotics if they have not done so already. I would then review the imaging and go evaluate the patient with a focused history and physical. So as stated, he's homeless and a poor historian, but he denies any prior surgery and just admits to a cough and malaise over the past week. He does admit to daily alcohol use, but denies any hemoptysis or illicit drug use. You review his CT scan and agree that there is a 6-centimeter intraparenchymal lung abscess in the left lower lobe without any other lesions or effusions. So in this case, I would ask my IR colleagues to evaluate for an image-guided drain of his abscess along with continued broad-spectrum antibiotics, and I would then narrow based on the cultures from the drainage. When would you take this patient to the operating room? So I would reserve resection if the patient did not clinically improve or if there was a complication such as hemoptysis, rupture of the abscess, causing an empyema or a, a bronchopleural fistula. Be sure to listen to part B for high yield commentary and other tips and tricks. Get ahead of postage rate increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM. With LinkedIn Jobs, we tap into a network of more than a billion professionals to help you find quality professionals quickly and easily for any role you need. Marketing wizards? Found them. Software engineers? Found. That project manager I could never seem to hire? And found. LinkedIn Jobs quickly matches your roles with candidates with the right skills and experience. In fact, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Post your first job for free and get started at linkedin.com slash spoken. That's linkedin.com slash spoken. Terms and conditions apply. Behind the Knife Premium. Behind the Knife Cardiothoracic Oral Board Review. Scenario, hemoptysis and infectious lung disease. Developed by John Cuckleman, read by John Cuckleman and Jason Bingham. A 62-year-old who is being medically treated for multi-drug-resistant tuberculosis presents to the emergency department for hemoptysis. Sputum culture at the time of admission is positive for TB. He is admitted to the MICU and you have been consulted for the hemoptysis. How would you like to proceed? Uh, well, first, I would go immediately evaluate the patient. I'd want to get a sense of their hemodynamic stability. I want to quantify how much blood the patient has been coughing up and uh, take a look at their current airway and respiratory status. Finally, I would be sure to review all their labs, imaging, take a complete history, particularly if they were on anything like blood thinners. So the patient has been coughing up about two cups of blood in the last 15 minutes. His oxygen saturation is 84% on two liters of nasal cannula. His heart rate is 110 and blood pressure is 90 over 60. His hematocrit is 20. The patient is tachypnic. He is not on blood thinners. What would you like to do next? All right. Well, I mean, first, this is an airway emergency, so he requires a definitive airway. So using rapid sequence in a patient, I would I'd make sure that he uh, received a, a single lumen endotracheal tube. After confirming the placement with the entitled CO2 and inappropriate oxygenation, I would prepare for flexible bronchoscopy. Uh, I'd also ensure that he had large bore IV access and start resuscitation with blood products, as well as you know, reverse any coagulopathies. 
Massive hemoptysis is defined as greater than 600 milliliters in 24 hours or greater than 100 milliliters per hour. For context, a tablespoon is about 18 milliliters and a Dixie cup is about 100 milliliters. The examiner will be pretty clear, but any amount of regular coughing up of pure blood with hemodynamic or respiratory compromise should be treated seriously. Approach the scenario like you would a trauma or sepsis patient by addressing the airway, breathing, and circulation. The first thing that needs to be done is to protect the airway. Make sure to place at least a 7.5 ET tube so that you can utilize a therapeutic bronchoscope for evaluation and potential treatment. You start your bronchoscopy but are unable to visualize any anatomy beyond the carina. The source of bleeding does seem to be coming from the right side. The patient continues to have trouble oxygenating. Okay, so in that case, I would advance the ET tube into the unaffected mainstem bronchus, which sounds like it would be the left side in this case. I would also place a bronchial blocker down the right using a direct laryngoscopy through the cords uh, just outside of my ET tube. Finally, I would place the, the patient right side down to prevent aspiration of blood to the unaffected lung and continue my resuscitation. You should know this algorithm cold before you take your oral exams. Massive hemoptysis can become part of nearly any thoracic scenario. Initial steps that can be used if the bleed be localized to a segmental bronchus includes flushing with ice saline with epinephrine and wedging the scope to try and tampen out the bleed. Fogarty balloons can be used as a blocker in segmental bronchi, but may be tricky to place in an acute situation in the ICU. Unless you have the appropriate connection, a pediatric flexible bronchoscope and an 8.0 ET tube in place, you will not be able to place a blocker from within the ET tube. Use a laryngoscope to place the blocker outside the ET tube and then guide it into place with the bronchoscope. Once this is done, you can guide your ET tube over your bronchoscope into the unaffected mainstem bronchus for single lung ventilation. Do not forget to place the patient with the bleeding side down. This will temporize the bleeding in most situations so that you can regroup and resuscitate. The patient appears to stabilize after these maneuvers. What now? So I'd, I'd maintain single lung ventilation and I would consult interventional radiology for angiography and bronchial artery embolization. I'd also want to get some more detailed imaging, if possible, with a CTPA once the patient's stable enough to go to the CT scanner. Embolization of the bronchial arteries is all that is needed in 90% of massive hemoptysis cases to control the bleeding. Using this and the above-mentioned maneuvers should almost always be used in lieu of operative resection as the mortality from a lobectomy for massive hemoptysis is between 10 and 20%. Obtain more detailed imaging as soon as the patient is stable enough to get a CT as this is crucial to understanding the source of the hemoptysis as well as the planning of any additional interventions. Okay, they are able to embolize the right bronchial artery. The patient improves over the following 24 hours with the blocker in place on single lung ventilation. The ICU gets a CT scan that shows a cavitary lesion in the right upper lobe. Okay, so I would then plan to go to the operating room for removal of the bronchial blocker. I'd plan to have a rigid uh, bronchoscope available at this time for endobronchial intervention if the bleeding is persistent, and I would discuss the possibility that he may need a right upper lobectomy if I'm unable to control the bleeding endobronchially. 
Be thoughtful about your approach to removing the blocker. Taking down the balloon but leaving the blocker in place while in the ICU for a period of time is also a reasonable approach. If bleeding starts again, you can simply reinflate the balloon and go to the OR at that point. It is prudent to discuss the potential need for lobectomy at this point, as that is ultimately what may be needed to be done if in the OR the bleeding persists. Take me through your rigid bronchoscopy. I would have the patient supine with his neck fully extended. I would have jet ventilation in the room and ready for use. We would pre-oxygenate the patient prior to extubation and evaluate the airway with flexible scope first and take down the bronchial blocker at that time under direct visualization. If bleeding persists, then I would remove the ET tube and blocker, place a mouth guard, and proceed with rigid bronch and carefully place a size 8 rigid tracheal bronchoscope under direct vision by identifying the epiglottis and then the vocal cords. I'd rotate the scope 90 degrees to pass through the cords, and once the rigid scope was in place, I would institute jet ventilation and evaluate the airway uh, with the flexible scope. Knowing the equipment and steps of a rigid bronchoscope is as important to the examiners as being able to describe a bentol. If this is not something you have done in a while, then it is worth thinking through and rehearsing the steps. For hemoptysis, the rigoscope affords better large bore suction for visualization, as well as rapid introduction of ancillary tools such as argon plasma coagulation. Let's say you take down the blocker and all the bleeding seems to be well controlled. What would your plan be for this patient? So this patient has had a massive hemoptysis event from a right upper lobe cavitary lesion while being treated for multidrug resistant TB. He should undergo a right upper lobectomy. Ideally, I would first optimize him for this resection and making sure that he had good recovery from his hemoptysis event. Surgical resection is indicated in patients with multi-drug resistant TB with a cavitary lesion that has been complicated by hemoptysis. Other indications for resection include development of a bronchopleural fistula, empyema, aspergilloma within the cavitary lesion, as well as complete destruction of the lung itself. Typically, lung function studies will be of limited use since you will be removing non-functional lung. If there is any question, then a VQ scan should be obtained. Most of these patients present with some level of malnutrition. If able, then it is not unreasonable to place a feeding tube to optimize their nutrition. So he's been extubated without any further events and is currently on room air. His hemoglobin is now 9. His albumin is 3.5. Tell me how you would do his lobectomy. I would plan to do this via open, via a serratus sparing uh, posterior lateral thoracotomy on the right through the fifth intercostal space. I'd be sure to harvest the intercostal muscle during this dissection to buttress my bronchial stub after performing a formal right upper lobectomy. Very rarely will you be able to perform a sublobar resection for these types of cases. Minimally invasive approaches are also not often feasible due to the adhesive disease or scarring in the hilum. The scenario here specifically states that the patient is sputum positive for multidrug resistant TB on admission. Robust flap coverage of the bronchial stump is mandatory in these cases to avoid the complication of a bronchopleural fistula. So let's say you go to spread the ribs and the lung is just plastered to the chest wall. How would you handle that? 
So in that case, I would likely need to complete an extra pleural dissection to avoid contamination uh, while completing the resection. Every attempt should be made to avoid pleural contamination during the surgery. You're finishing that case and you get a consult from the ED for a 70-year-old homeless patient who is presenting with fever, elevated white count, and a cough, and a CT scan showing a 6-centimeter abscess in the superior segment of the left lower lobe. The emergency room physician says he is otherwise healthy and he should get it resected. So I'd ask them to start that patient on broad-spectrum antibiotics if they have not done so already. I would then review the imaging and go evaluate the patient with a focused history and physical. So as stated, he's homeless and a poor historian, but he denies any prior surgery and just admits to a cough and malaise over the past week. He does admit to daily alcohol use, but denies any hemoptysis or illicit drug use. You review his CT scan and agree that there is a 6-centimeter intraparenchymal lung abscess in the left lower lobe without any other lesions or effusions. So in this case, I would ask my IR colleagues to evaluate for an image-guided drain of his abscess along with continued broad-spectrum antibiotics, and I would then narrow based on the cultures from the drainage. Surgery is rarely needed for an isolated pulmonary abscess. Indications for surgery are similar to those discussed for the TB case. Abscesses greater than 6 centimeters should be considered for resection as well as any lesions that are concerning for malignancy. When would you take this patient to the operating room? So I would reserve resection if the patient did not clinically improve or if there was a complication such as hemoptysis, rupture of the abscess, causing an empyema or a, a bronchopleural fistula. Other possible infectious scenarios to be prepared for include aspergilloma or mucor mycoses. Aspergillomas are not often present in the immunocompetent patients, and thus a thorough workup for an immunocompromised condition should be carried out in these patients. They should be resected if associated with any hemoptysis or have continued growth on interval imaging. Mucormycoses will likely be presented in an extremely immunocompromised patient or in the setting of poorly controlled diabetes in DKA. These infections will characteristically be aggressive and rapidly infect beyond anatomical borders. Treatment should be equally aggressive with surgical debridement of all the infected areas of lung parenchyma and chest wall, as well as high-dose amphotericin B. Thank you for listening to Behind the Knife Premium Oral Board Review. Dominate the day. Be sure to check out our website at www.behindthenife.org for more great content. You can also follow us on Twitter at Behind the Knife and Instagram at Behind the Knife Podcast. If you like what you hear, please take a minute to leave us a review. Content produced by Behind the Knife is intended for health professionals and is for educational purposes only. We do not diagnose, treat, or offer patient-specific advice. Thank you for listening. Until next time, dominate the day. Dominate the day.